This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Today, we are joined by Mr. Andrew Martin, who is in Florida, but in the complete other end of it. It's crazy, man, that you can be in the same state and be so far away. Like, I think if you go and try and drive from Pensacola to Key West, it's like 16 hours. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a it's a super long drive. I'm, I'm in the panhandle here, and a lot of people don't realize that it's central time where I am. Yeah. And a little sliver of the panhandle here. So every time somebody hears Florida... You know, and trying to do a schedule with them, it's uh, it's tough. Yeah, you know, I completely, truthfully, I completely forgot about that. That's like the whole Columbus, Georgia thing, right? In Columbus, mm-hmm. like in some weird time, you know, in a different time zone than the rest of the state. Like well, it's in it's central like, and everything else is eastern. It's like Arizona. Arizona doesn't do the daylight saving times or whatever. So I have some clients in Arizona that you always got to be conscious of, you know, is it how many hours behind are they? Yeah. But yeah, yeah there's, no, there's or when you're planning to travel out that way, man, right. you know, you, I, I'm always like in the back of my mind trying to calculate these flight times and everything. And then I can never mm-hmm. figure out what time zone they're actually operating in before we get cranked up and start, start chewing the fat a little bit. Why don't you sort of give your background and, and talk a little bit about how you got to where you're at and what you're doing right now. And then we'll, we'll start digging in. Sure. So I, um, you know, I got my start in, uh, life insurance with a large life insurance uh, company, one of the big four, one of the big mutual companies, and branched out after three years. of ca- I was captive of them for three years, branched out, created Atlas Financial Strategies, which is my firm, um, and we do fee-based financial planning. Um, nice. So we, we charge for our time and advice. So that differs from uh, most financial advisors because most financial advisors are either working under a commission model or under the AUM model, more likely where they're kind of solely focused on gathering, investing assets, charging the 1% or so, which we do those things as well. Um, But I I feel that the way that we do things, charging for our time and advice makes it uh, the most conflict free that you can get. Because otherwise, if you're not paying your advisor for their time, whatever advice they give you has to be something that makes them money. Right. Yeah, so, no kidding. I mean, I'm yeah. so true story, man. I'm exactly the same way. Um, awesome. You know, we we do the majority, at least in my personal book, the majority of my revenue is derived on a fee for service arrangement, and it makes it really yeah. easy to sell 
in the middle market because most people don't do that. Like they don't even realize yeah. you're able to do it. And so it, it, it becomes a little bit of a challenge when you're trying to um, explain to a client what's going on because they're mm -hmm. not used to that. You, they, they've yeah. never heard that message before. And so if you don't articulate it correctly, they think they're gonna pay you in addition to, whereas you know, in my world, when we do something net of commission on a fee for service basis, the premium drops by the amount that the carrier would have paid me in commission. So there actually is a premium savings to the client, even though they're gonna turn around and push that money back to me on a fee for service. But I agree 100% with what you said, man. It's the exact same thing for me in that um, conflict-free. When I give a client advice, there's no question as to whether or not that advice is gonna be right. And I spin that, I, I shouldn't say spin because there's a little bit of a negative connotation to saying you spin something. But the, the way that I position that is that the compensation model for insurance in general is flawed. But I mean, specifically right. property and casualty, because the worst that a client performs, the more they pay in premium and the more their agent makes. So what's the incentive to have them, you know, be a clean account at that point? Doesn't make any sense at all. Well, I think, and this is something that I've, I've talked to, um, you know, the insurance guys podcast about is, um, uh, Scott and Bradley is, I feel like that industry, well, I, I can say my industry too, but I feel like in particular, the property casualty insurance industry is very, um, transactional and, and very, very focused on, let me give you quotes, let me give you quotes, let me give you quotes. And they're not taking the time to educate clients, which I, I really wish that somebody would do. I really wish that somebody would, uh, and it sounds like you may be already doing that, but I wish people would, you know, getting paid for your time, you can take the time to educate them on, well, look, here's the options, here's how they work, here's the pros and cons, here's why you might want to consider this, here's how this works. So that works instead of like, hey, I can get it for you for, you know, 10, 10 cents or 10% uh, cheaper. Yeah, no, ag agreed. And, you know, the other thing that it allows me is a little bit of flexibility for a variety of reasons. The first one is that I can engage with that client at any time during the life cycle of their property and casualty account. I don't have to wait for renewal. If I can go in and uncover there's some pain points and I have the ability to help get those fixed, then I can immediately jump on that knowing that I can bill them for my time to fix that. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to wait to place the insurance coverage in order to get paid. Now, my client might or prospect may give me a little pushback, but then I can just explain to them that it's all going to come out in the wash because when we do handle the renewal, we're going to net the commissions out and they'll experience the savings at that point. Another way that we're able to do that is if we're doing an audit for them. If we're going back and reviewing old audits to look for found money or we're doing an audit of the workers' comp experience mod and we're able to go file an aggravated inequity with NCCI and recover money that way, we negotiate up front that we'll just split that money with them, 50-50. So yeah. if I can get that, it'll at least pay until we get into the insurance portion of the discussion. The other thing that I do that has really been the, the best for both parties involved, uh, us and the prospect, is I offer them two different options when I put them on a fee-based relationship. It's not just, hey, you're going to pay me X number of dollars per year. I'm going to give them, let's just say for easy math purposes, that I've got an account that I would charge a $50,000 fee to. Well, another way for me to make that more attractive for them is to offer them the $50,000 flat fee guaranteed or do a $40,000 fee 
And then for every $100,000 I reduce their total cost of risk or whatever predetermined metrics that we put in place, I bonus at 10000 per 100 and I'll cap it at twenty five. So their worst case scenario is I get paid 65000 they saved a quarter million. And yeah. what's funny is every single time in year one, everybody wants that gain share because they're like, oh man, this guy's all about having skin in the game. There's no way he's not going to save me money and do everything he says he's going to do. Then when we deliver and that bonus hits, they want they want to go back to the flat fee because they don't want to pay yeah. you know extra money, which is perfectly fine with me because in many cases, I'm not going to be able to reduce their costs that much more in year two because we're hitting all the low-hanging fruit in year one. Right. But it completely flips everything on its on its head. Right. You know, the biggest issue with the insurance industry and compensation is that we all complain that we want to be treated like attorneys and accountants, but when it comes down to getting paid by the hour and explaining that as opposed to just taking commissions that are embedded in products, nobody wants to have that conversation. So if you want to be treated like a professional, bill like a professional and conduct yourself right. that way. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right, and I and and as you mentioned, it is hard. It's a hard mental hurdle for uh, clients to overcome when they're so used to. You know, I still get a lot of people that will come in my office, and they'll come in with their, um, you know, with their statements and stuff, and be like, "Oh well, you know, here's, uh, you know, here's what my other guy has been done has been doing for me. Can you do better?" Or they'll ask, "What kind of return can you get and stuff like that?" I'm like, "That you know, that's not that's not the right <laughs> way." The not not yeah. your guy. I'm no, not your guy. But, right. Because if <laughs> I wanted not that guy, pal. Right. No. If I wanted to, I could go back and show them hindsight being what it is. Oh, well, we would have done this portfolio that would have gotten you this over the last 10 years, right? But you know, yeah. nobody can do that moving forward. Yeah, like, everybody oh, has you're, all you're the answers after the results are out. <laughs> right. Right. And people are just so uh, still, I think, used to working with advisors in a in a transactional nature where um, like, oh, you just manage my money for me, or I'll come to you when when I have money. I'm like, no, it's it's managing the money before you have money. That is honestly the 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 cash flow management. You know, finding the most efficient utilization of your income and in, of of your um, you know, of your extra money. Let's say not just you know, obviously you want to get a high return on your investment as you can, but um, but still, I think we have to. Both of our industries have to push towards getting out of that transactional nature. And uh, I will say, before I made that transition into fee-based um, and charging for our time and advice, I lost what would have been you know, several um, good clients because I didn't charge. Because the people with money want to pay their advisor or their person they're working with for their time and advice to feel like they're getting you know, that unbiased advice. And I think for your industry, I think there's a even smaller percentage of people who do what you do as opposed to do what I do. I still think there's a very small percentage that do what I do in my industry. But, um, and it's, I, I think the people that are probably correct me if I'm wrong, David, probably easier and more fun to work with and give you less kickback and all that are the people who are paying for your time and advice as opposed to the tire kickers who just want, you know, like, Hey, I just want to quote. 
Yeah, and I mean, they'll test the boundaries. They're no different than your kids half the time. I mean, I hate to sure. say that, but I mean, when you bring a new prospect into the mix, there's a there's a period of time where they need to learn what it's like to work with you and what the expectations are going to be. But I've always got that fallback position. You know, I had a client that, that had a $20 million a year company that I said needed to go ahead and buy cyber coverage this year. You know, and this is going back a couple of years. I recommended cyber. They needed to have it. It's a service contractor. The guy couldn't understand it. And I finally looked at him. I'm like, you do understand. And I have no benefit whatsoever in offer in, in recommending that you purchase this. Yeah. I'm on a fee with you. You're paying me for my advice. And now you're telling me you don't want to take my advice. So what are you right. really paying for here? You know, I mean, yeah. and that, that that's sometimes you have to push back a little bit that way, but you know, I've, I've got a good backbone on me. I don't have a problem pushing back. Um, but at the same time, it's a completely different approach. The reason I do that is because that's the way that business is is done at the national account level. If you're working for one of the alphabet houses, you're not taking commission. You're on a fee yeah. arrangement for the property and casualty. And that plays really well in the middle market and upper middle market. The difference is I'm below the radar of the alphabet houses where I fly. And so I, I tell people all the time, I'm above the competency of the local agent, but I'm below the radar of the national players. And that's the that's the area where I've had the most success over the quarter course of my career. But the few times that I have bumped up against the Willis's, Marsh's, Aeon's and their national accounts, I've gotten my butt kicked and learned from that. You know, And so I've been able to form our value proposition in such a way that it I shouldn't say mimics, but it, or mirrors, it resembles a lot of what you would get at the national account level, but we're able to deliver that in the middle market based on how lean we run and how much we leverage technology. Yeah. And I think, you know, as you mentioned that, that cyber contract for that, um, that client of yours, um, I was, this is secondhand from another advisor I know, but a steel company in Pennsylvania, and this has been a handful of years ago, but they had some ransomware. Somebody got in there and hacked their stuff and froze all their stuff. And I forget, it was like $2 million ransom or something like that. That as, as soon as they paid it, they would, you know, um, give them, you, you know, allow them access to their stuff again. But they froze it. They shut down the plant. And so they had to make a decision on, well, do we just go ahead and pay them the $2 million? Because every hour that we're not producing is costing us X. And so, you know, having a good, you know, cyber um, protection contract, I think would be, you know, for a, for a big company like that, who probably has a target on its back for those hackers, um, you know, probably makes a big difference. And our, our biggest, you know, to your point, like your story that you were saying, our, um, our biggest hurdle is getting the information we need from clients in a timely manner and getting them to follow through on some things, particularly our business owner clients. Those are typically the worst. And, uh, same deal. You know, I have some, <laughs> I have some clients that we end up, you know, creating very good relationships with these people and they apologize every time. Hey, you know, our last, our meeting last month, you know, we told you to do these things. Did you do these things? No, I you know, I promise I'm going to, I said, look, man, you're paying me the same either way. So, you know, if you aren't following through on these things that we tell you to do, you're not getting your money's worth. You're paying a, doesn't matter to me, right? You're paying me the same either way. So, you know, you need to follow through with this if you want to get your money's worth out of it. You know, so like what do you, you think the reason is that that you're not getting that info when you request it, or not getting all of it, or it comes in waves, or whatever? 
and it seems to be because we work with business owners and non-business owners. Most of the time, our non-business owners, granted, they have less information to get us, um, but I, I think it's the just with business owners, the type of person that they are. They're worried about running their business, and they might have every intention when we're in the meeting. Yep, I'm going to make sure to get that done, and they might absolutely mean to. But then, as soon as they leave there, their phone has probably rang a dozen times while they've been on the meeting with us, and had you know two dozen text message and emails and things like that. And then they're off to doing whatever it is and concerned about running their business. And typically, they're trying to crap, I have a meeting with Andrew in an hour. Let me try to scramble to get some stuff together. And, and it just doesn't, it just doesn't work. So, I mean, I think it's that. I don't think, I, I think they have every intention of doing it. And we try to work with it. If they have an assistant or if we can get information from their CPA or attorney or whoever, you know, we try to work to get that information from them, but it's just tough. And, and so would you say that that's how you overcome that objection? The example that you just gave where like, look, dude, you're, you're paying me either way, whether you give me this stuff or not, or is there another way that you found is, is equally as effective? We haven't really found that way. Cause my staff follows up and follows up and follows up and we, we try different things. And again, if they have an assistant or somebody else or a wife or somebody that we can, you know, try to try to pry to get the information. It's not that they don't want us to get us the information. I don't think. It's just that they don't make time to do it. Um, and we've tried all kinds of different stuff. And again, the ones that I have a good enough relationship with, which is most mm. of them, um, I'll just tell them, you're paying me the same either way. So, yeah, you know. Well, it's kind of similar. I think that we run into a little bit of that, you know, too. Um, so I, I, I can totally get that. <clears throat> yeah, it's tough. We haven't, if y'all have uh, some good insight on it, I would love to, <laughs> to know what the secret sauce well, is. People, we well, people, I, I mean, people don't, you know, there, there's no issue until there is an issue. So right. a lot of times, you know, it's, that's just how it works. It's not front of their mind until something happens. And then, and then it's like, Oh yeah, yeah. Here's, here's everything you need. And, and, and now turn around quick. We need it's, it done immediately. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's frustrating. I'm, I'm with you. Well, and so we've, we've just recently decided, you know, cause we've had multiple conversations about, you know, with business owners, um, or, you know, with our business owner clients, we've been talking about how do we handle this? And we're like, you know, we do charge them more typically than our non-business owner clients because there's just more to do, um, lots more to do, and a lot more of our time needs to be involved. But we've thought about, you know, really hiking the fee um, to, you know, to really make it worth their while where they got more skin in the game and or we're dealing with people who can afford to pay that and their business is probably not in that startup grinding mode, right? Where, where maybe they're a little bit more seasoned and settled and have, you know, put more value on what they're paying us and have more time or have the staff or, or, or support necessary to get us the information in a timely manner. So we just recently have made that switch. So we'll see if that remedies that problem. You know what, man, I'll tell you, if you are completely transparent in your fee and your pricing. The people you're trying to attract are going to have no problem with that, yeah. regardless of what it is, right? I mean, not saying that you weren't being clear and concise in what you were charging, but I mean, if you're saying, sure. hey, look, I need to go up in my fee because I find that people who pay us 25 grand a year or more are the best clients for us, get it on your website. You will get rid of the tire kickers really, yeah. really quickly. That's a fair yeah. point. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah, I can tell I'm, you that in, in, in my life, the majority of my time is explaining why things cost is cost what they do. You know, one and, and again, not that there's anything at all wrong with small commercial. I don't want people to think that, but you're dealing with in my world. You know, when you get into the middle market, you are dealing with somebody who knows what they're doing. They mm-hmm. may be a business owner, but if they are. They've delegated everything else, and for whatever reason, I happen to get in front of them. <coughs> Most of the time, it's a controller or a CFO whose primary function is to handle the financial end of the business, including uh-huh. insurance and risk management, and it's not mm-hmm. their first rodeo. Right. The biggest thing that we run into is overcoming the stigma of what our industry has created, the 60 to 90 days before renewal. Uh, let me see your deck pages. Let me get you, let me get you a quick quote. Let me yep. you know, see if I can save you a few dollars. Yep. And so, you know, I don't, I don't ever say no to a first meeting if it gets to a point where I can get a first meeting. A lot of my peers, I've seen this back and forth in online forums, would say, oh, it's just be a waste of time. They're a price shopper. I don't think everybody is a price shopper. I, yeah. I really don't. I think that our, that our industry, I can't speak for, for the segment of financial services that you're in per se, but in, in, in the commercial PNC realm, the reason people shop the way they do is because we're the ones who taught them how to buy that way. You know, mm-hmm. it's the insurance yeah. agents that are going out and all hammering them. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's that. And it, a lot of it too is all these commercials for Geico and Progressive and everything they see on TV, even though that's not what, you know, we're doing at Florida Risk. That's the general perception that people have because they see all these ads, you know, talking about saving them money and, you know, 15 minutes or less or whatever the, you know, the, the, the shtick is for, for each yep. given carrier. And I think that that creates some, I, I mean, I've even said that to, because people like reach out wanting, you know, quotes for me and are hounding <laughs> me and they like, they, like, like literally I'll get something in the morning and they're following up at me in the afternoon. I'm like, hang on. I think I need to, I think I need to clear some things up here. This isn't, um, <laughs> I think, I think Geico has done a disservice to everybody. This isn't 15 minutes or less. Like this is your business. We need to make sure we get things written correctly. It's not a personal auto deal that we're working on here. So right. it goes out to the market. I need this information. I have to make sure it's underwritten correctly and that I'm able to tell the right story to them. And, and I think, um, that widely the perception is is not that. Then so. why are you wearing white pants, a white shirt, and a progressive apron when you're quoting? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, it, I mean, I would say truthfully, what's up when with I the t- apron? By the way, I don't. Yeah, just yeah, I don't know. What's what's that we, for? Can, are they are they painting? Is it a smock? Like I don't understand. Are they baking are they stuff? Cooking? Like yeah, yeah. yeah. And why yeah. are you wearing up, it on the grow beach? Up flow. Yeah, why are you wearing it on the beach? Is the other thing like. Yeah, I don't get it. But I mean, you know, I would say truthfully, in those first appointments that I've taken over the last 20 years where people appear to be a price buyer, if I'm list, if I'm listening to the cues they give me like, yeah, sure, you want to come in and bid it or yeah, you can mm-hmm. give me a quote if you want, you know, those things that I that, that would typically throw a deal out. I'm not going to say that it's been an overwhelming majority, but I would say probably 35 to 45 percent of the time. I'm successful in converting those people over and changing the way they think by just simply walking in and explaining total cost of risk, right? Because you know this, man. You know this as well as anybody. 
especially with financial products, it has to be about education. You have to educate mm-hmm. people on not, and, and this is true for anybody listening to this. This is true for any aspect of your life. I mean, I do this with my kids and it saves me so much time down the road. But if you just give people the why, just tell them why, not here's what you need to do. This is what I'm recommending, but let me explain to you why. And then when you do that, once you give the a child or or a prospect, not the I'm gonna child, try that with again. Nash and see if it works. Yeah, well, he's not there yet. But <laughs> but if you give the kid the reason why behind, or you tell your prospect, look, I'm recommending that you move to this cyber carrier, and the reason why I think you should move here is because this policy is a pay on behalf of policy, whereas the other option, even though it's three hundred dollars less in premium, is a reimbursement Reimburse, policy. Yeah. Right. And the reason why this is important to you is because unless you've got a mountain of Bitcoin sitting around waiting for a ransomware attack to happen, you're mm-hmm. in big trouble if you have a ransomware attack thinking you have coverage because you're going to have to figure out a way to get the cryptocurrency needed to pay this claim off, get your stuff unlocked. Then you got to submit it to a carrier and get them to review everything and then finally issue reimbursement for the event. How much time do you really have on your hands? Probably right. a lot less than what 200 to $300 in premium would buy, right? And if it's going to take you 10 hours to do that and you're balking at 200 bucks, you're telling me that you're working for $20 an hour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people, people, to your point, the why, people don't care what these things do. They care what they do for them, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, of course, you need to educate them on what these products do, but then give them the why of like, well, here's what it does for you. Right. And I think I think that's very important. And, you know, back to the fee thing, you know, I'm sure you all have seen that meme on Facebook, like, you know, five hundred dollar client. Oh, if I'm going to invest this money and, uh, you know, this is a a lot of money, my family and this and the other. And we need to think about it and all that. And it's like fifty thousand dollar client check sent. Thanks. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of there's a lot of truth to that. And, you know, working with people that have, you know, that amount of money, you know, these small pieces of advice that we give to those clients could make them or save them hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars, mm-hmm. right? That that same piece of advice on a relative term for somebody who's, you know, maybe lower income, middle income, something like that, maybe it doesn't, you know what I mean? It still makes them or, or saves them the same percentage, but it doesn't justify a, you know, twenty-five or $50,000 fee where this person that this piece of advice you just gave them, they're paying you a $50,000 fee. It might make or save them just by, just by a little, by, you know, switching, you know, flipping that switch in their brain, changes the way they think about something, you know, that could make or save them hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars and more than justifies your $50,000 fee. So what was the light? What was the jump like moving from life? I mean, I don't think I let you finish your whole story, man. We started jumping no. down rabbit holes immediately. I mean, you you started out doing life insurance and ended up in financial planning. What was that? What was that jump like? And what led you to do that? I, and I think it's a natural progression. I think as a starting out in life, you work with so many um, so many business owners or or people that where life insurance becomes part of the financial plan. Right. You know that that, that makes sense. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I've always wanted to uh, be a trusted advisor for my clients and and be um, well-rounded and, ho- and holistic and help them with everything as much as I can, provide as much value as possible. And so, you know, when you first start and you're only licensed for life insurance, 
most people, as I'm sure everybody on here knows, I mean, I wouldn't easily say 90 plus percent of people don't have anywhere near the amount of life insurance that they need. So, I mean, that's that's kind of an easy one. I talk about the financial foundation and the six bricks, your financial foundation, property casual being one of them, your state planning, your emergency fund, your insurances, things like that. And most people, we do a life insurance need calculation. Most people don't have anywhere near the amount of life insurance that they need. And then I worked on getting my other licenses. I started with my six and 63 and then my seven and 65 and so on. And, um, you know, made that transition into fee based a handful of years ago. And it was a really tough transition. Um, and I, I knew, so when I first started, I never wanted to charge for my advice. Like I was very proud to not charge and to work with anybody who needed it, regardless of their financial situation and all that. And I remember there for a good year, it started getting to the point where it's like, okay, well, I either can't um, service my previous clients the way I need to, because I'm supposed to you know, meet with them at least once a year and continue to, you know, work Mm -hmm. with them on their stuff. And that doesn't make me any money under the, you know, if I'm not getting paid for my time, if I'm transactional or I, you know, this is a business, I go out and try to find new clients, right. That need the things that I do. And then I feel like I'm neglecting my previous clients who I felt like I made promises to. And I remember specifically kind of the straw that broke the camel's back at a, a client come in young single mom, you know, has always been a waitress and stuff. And so, you know, we got a little bit of life insurance, some term life on her, um, you know, earlier on a couple of years, you know, previous to this. Um, and so she calls, Hey, I need to come see you. Okay, great. Come on in. I don't even ask what it's about. And she started a job at a hospital and she brings in all her benefit packet stuff. And she's like, I don't know what any of this is. Mm-hmm. Can you help me 401k and benefit package and all that stuff? And so I spent the next hour and a half going through that with her and helping her with it. But I was like, I have to start charging for my time. Like that's the only yeah. way that I can, that, that this is going to work. Um, and I made that transition and it was, re- it was really hard. Um, it was really hard that year that I made that transition. I made a hundred thousand less than the, than what I made the year before. Um, so I, I took a hundred. So what, like what caused that or, you know, what was the, what was the deal there where it, where it made it so much harder and, and it was a totally different scenario for you? It was just totally different than the way I, I felt like I was almost starting over, right. As mm-hmm. far as learning the a totally different process, totally different cycle with clients, um, totally different conversation up front of like value proposition and explaining to them, you know, like, Hey, I charge now and here's how that works. And it was just, it was new. I, I literally felt like I was starting over and learning everything. I mean, obviously product knowledge and investment knowledge and an economic and, all, you know, I, I wasn't starting over there, but as far as like how to run my practice. Yeah. I felt like how I did people take it? it? Like when, like when you're like, Hey, here, here's the new deal and you know, <sighs> I'm sure that there was a little bit of pushback from some people. And that was, you know, what I was going to ask you also was, was what, what type of objections you're getting, but I I have a feeling you're probably going to answer that right here. Um, yeah. And I, I started with, um, you know, there were some clients who were really good clients who I felt like would be good financial planning clients, clients that Mm -hmm. that would pay. And so I had a kind of a short list there and reached out to them and I kind of offer them like an introductory, like, hey, our minimum is usually this, but for y'all, you know, this year it'll be this. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the ones that I really thought would jump at the chance said no. Yeah. Some of the ones that I really didn't think would did. 
Um, but there really were only a handful of like previous clients um, that ended up becoming, you know, financial planning clients. And it kind of, again, it kind of, again, was, was starting new to where, um, and it was hard because I've been working with them for free for years and providing right. what I think is a lot of value. Um, and that's something, and, I mean, you've got to charge for something like that. It's, you know, it, it's, it'd be ridiculous not to, it'd be like people going to the doctor and not having to pay anything to get a checkup right. or something, you know, it, it's, so people should really kind of expect that. So that, that part's interesting. Yeah. And, um. And like I said, so it was kind of, you know, the clients that came in and again, it took me a while to get comfortable with the process and how I charge and, and, and uh, just the whole thing. It, it took me a good, a good year and we're still figuring things out, right? We're always trying to perfect it, but um, it took me a while to kind of figure things out, but it kind of started with any new clients to come in. Hey, here's how we do things. So the expectation mm-hmm. right off the bat, Hey, this is how we do things. Right. Right. Um, and you would still have clients, you know. Um, and still to this day, we have clients that don't sign on because of the fee and that's fine. Right. And then mm-hmm. I have somebody else that I refer them to that, um, is at right. the stage in his career. I mean, that at that point, it's not charge. your, it's not your ideal client anyways. And that's, right. and that's one of the things that you get and probably why you said, you know, that the things kind of took a little while to progress over that, over that first year. Um, and I, yeah. I will say for any advisors listening, who's in my industry, um, making the transition into fee-based and charging fees, it was the best decision, one of the best businesses. So how long has this been now? Three, four years. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. So, so, so aside from, aside from changing, you know, the way you structured everything, what was, what was the biggest challenge? Um, you know, learning, learning the processes and stuff. Cause when you charge fee, you have to, you know, every, Companies' compliance is different and everything, but you have to pr- produce deliverables and you have to do certain things that you didn't have to do before and, uh, and all those things. And I have two very good staff people that, um, and that's another key too for most people that are listening, um, having good staff. I know it seems like an expense. And so before I hired my first assistant, I was told that you can't afford an assistant until you have an assistant. The assistant <laughs> allows you to afford the assistant, right? Sure. Um, and there was a guy, so just to go off of the insurance guys podcast, not to give them a plug, but uh, I was oh, on. You can plug them all day, man. I'm good. Those I'm guys, good are, by those Scott guys are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> so time out really quick, man. You probably didn't hear this, Kyle. I did only because it involved protege, but I listened to the episode with uh, Justin Sloan where they were lobbying for votes right at the end before I didn't we hear shut that off one, the no. voting. They, they literally put it out the same day. And, you know, I'll go on record and say Derek Hayden still smoked the vote with over 60% of it. But um, it was funny because when you listen to that episode, Scott actually called Hayden out. Okay. He called him out. He's like, he was like, I want to sell against that some bitch. Not a part <laughs> of him. I want the whole thing. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> Those guys are awesome. Yeah. I love Scott. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, uh, the first podcast I was on, I think it was like episode 85 or something like that. And I, I was talking about just kind of my process and I mentioned, um, maybe I mentioned hiring an assistant, but anyways, a, a gentleman called me. Um, he heard it. He, he reached out to me. I talked to him and, and he's been in the business for 30, 40 years. He's like 70 ish at the time. Uh, this has been a year or so ago. And he's like, I'm really trying to hit this, you know, life insurance goal that I've never hit. He's a mostly property casualty guy. He's trying to hit a life insurance goal. 
and so he picked my brain a little bit and i i mentioned to him you know hiring an assistant and um i was like listen man if you're if there's one piece of advice i can give you that i i really want you to trust me on it's to find a good assistant hire or pay her well um and i think that's really going to help you and so um, I mentioned him, I was on the insurance guys podcast a while back for a second episode and kind of told that story, mentioned him and he called and, um, you know, kind of updated me. He was like, I, my, um, average life cases went from about 250,000 to about 1.2 million. And he was <laughs> like, we've tripled our life insurance production. I hit that goal. Having her makes my life so much easier because she does all the stuff and I can focus on doing the money-making activity, right? Being in front mm-hmm. of clients and stuff like that. And she handles all the stuff. And he was like, I was going to retire, you know, but uh, he was like, he's like to the point where like his people in his company are asking him what he's doing. His company wants him to like teach classes on what he's doing because his, wow. everything has been so explosive. Um, just from kind of like implementing some of the, you know, some of, some of the processes that I talked to him about and hiring a good assistant, um, it's just exploded because like nobody, no other agents in my company have an assistant. Um, and he was like, I trusted you on it and it was tough. But uh, so, uh, you know, having good staff is worth its weight in gold um, because it makes my life easy. The most, the two money making things, the most valuable use of my time is being in front of clients and directing the planning, not doing the planning, directing the planning. And then there's a whole lot of other stuff that needs to get done that somebody else needs to do. Right. And so we've hired very good people to do that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I will say it was a, it was a tough transition making the transition into fee based. took me a while to kind of settle in again. We're still trying to perfect things of course, as, as I hope we always do. Um, but it's been the best, one of the best business decisions, I've ever made. It really has opened things up. It really has positioned me because again, there just are so few um, advisors who do that. That has really positioned me as I think the you know I hoped the expert in our area. Um, you know, I've been voted best financial advisor eight times in the last eight years. Um, so we we it's good, right? We have people calling the office instead of us calling people, which my entire career I wanted, yeah, right? and, and didn't know how to get to, and we're we're finally there, and it's a real blessing. But I think nice. with those things and educating clients, David, like we were talking about earlier, spending time to educate clients and giving them options and explaining those options instead of trying to fit a square peg in a round hole, I think um, I think makes all the difference in the world. I think that we need to not be afraid to walk away, right? Mm. I think that's the other thing, man. I mean, when you get to a point, I think people are afraid to raise their rate. Mm. Number one, and, I, and I'm, I, I live in this situation. I've had, uh, you don't probably know this about me, Andrew, but I have an online ecosystem um, for commercial producers across the country and I've been I've had people on me to raise the cost to get into that program for a while and it's something that I've struggled with um not really because I don't believe that it's worth it just because I don't necessarily know that I have to charge that much right I mean there comes a point where it's like eh, do I really need to go that down that road but you know that's not really where I'm going with this where I'm going with it is if you look at your product and you have a hard time charging more, the question I have is, do you really believe enough in yourself to think that you're worth it? And here's the thing, man, this is no different than any other type of sales. If you 
can confidently ask for what it is you think you deserve, you're going to get it. Yeah. But if that prospect even senses a remote amount of insecurity, mm-hmm. you're out. Yep. Yep. They can smell it. Yeah. There's a guy, Alex Hormozy, that I've really been getting into following on YouTube. And it's, it's all about, you know, um, uh, you know, growing and scaling a business and things like that, sales even and, and things like that. But um, for what he does, he said, you know, we have this offering, we charge decks for it, and we decided we were going to triple our price on it for the same for the same thing. And he said a third of the a third of our clients left, but two thirds stayed, and we're charging three times as much, right? So he's like, the bottom third that left were the pain in the butt guys, anyways, mm-hmm. that we wanted to get rid of. And we're making more money and we're keeping the clients who are less of a pain in the butt. Right. And we re- reduce the amount of ultimate right. people that we're dealing with, making more money, dealing with less people, less headache because you're dealing with people who are willing to pay that and see the value in, in paying that. So, yeah, I mean, I you know, to a certain extent, raising your prices, I think is, is, I think is a great way to grow and a great, a great way to get rid of some of the people that you probably want to get rid of. I think that's fair. And you can't do that when you're on a commission, that's right? Because you don't have control yeah. over it. Yeah, so you got to deal. With, that's, and see that that was that was one of my things too. Sorry to, if I interrupted you, David. No, um, you're good. That was one of the you know an impetus to uh, get me to start charging fees. Is uh, you know anybody that works strictly on commission, um, you know I remember dealing with clients and spending a lot of time with them and putting together what I thought was jam up plans. Like some of them, I was like, man, this is. This is perfect. This is going to be perfect for them. This is great. I even impressed myself a little bit on this. This is (laughs) awesome. Um, And then for whatever reason, uh, they don't do it. And you're like, okay, well, I guess I just spent eight or 10 hours on that for for nothing, you know? Um, And it's It's such an annoying feeling, though. It's like, you know, you've got something that you think is absolutely money, you know, no holes in it. And like you said, even impress yourself. And then they're just like, nah, we're good, bro. And, it, yeah. and, it, and it's, and it's weird. And sometimes you don't even get an explanation, um, which is, which is even worse. Totally, yep. totally compounds that frustration. Yeah. I just need closure. Just tell me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd, yeah. I'd much rather, and I've said this about any role that I've had, like I'd much rather have somebody just tell me no and why versus string me along and, and then end up ghosting me and me having no idea, you know, what, what the, what the deal is. Well, if you're not charging people, those people don't have any skin in the game. So you got those tire kickers yeah. that'll come meet with you for multiple times. Okay, I just want to see what he has to say. I just want to see what what it, what he would do, and this, that, and the other. And then with no, re- some of them with really no real intention of ever doing business with you. They just are coming to, you know, to, you know, their window lickers and want to see what you're see what you have to offer, and uh, are fine with wasting your time, right? right. So I mean, that that has been a transformative thing for me. Charging a fee, number one. If you don't like the fee, then okay, I don't, I wasted, you know, this 30 minutes or an exactly. hour uh, consultation, but then, but then we're done or you pay the That's fee. It. And then if you don't take any of my recommendations, at least I got paid for my time. But most of the time, I mean, I don't, we don't, we don't get any p- kickback from clients and I, it could be the way that we explain things. We're very thorough and we always give options. We don't, we don't ever say like, no, you need to, you know, this is what you need to do. It's like, well, uh, and I'll, I'll give you a brief example. Like I don't. I don't see myself as like the the to, to the type of advisor to tell people what to do with their money. It's like, well, I'm here to add some perspective and and help you kind of walk through these decisions 
so you can make an educated decision. So we have a business owner client. He's got an SBA loan. They have like at the time $1.6 million of, of money in their bank account in the, uh, in the business account. And the SBA loan was three or $400,000 or something like that. Um, and they wrote an email to me and CC the CPA. Hey, you know, we have the SBA loan. We have enough money to pay it off. Um, you know, we're paying fifteen or twenty thousand dollars a year in interest. If we paid it off, it would save us fifteen, twenty thousand dollars a year in interest and free up about eight thousand dollars a month in cash flow. Uh, all those things. CPA writes back, yes, I absolutely think you should pay it off. Um, my response, I didn't give them an answer. So it's four owners, they're all young, and they grow through acquisition. They're very aggressive and they're they in their industry, they're growing through acquisition. So having that capital, you know, there to be able to purchase another business or whatever it is that they're trying to purchase is very important. So I said, Well, if you paid it off, you know, you're gonna free up eight thousand dollars a month or so in cash flow, that's good. You're gonna save yourself fifteen, twenty thousand dollars a month in interest, that's good. Um and then, you know, you don't have that debt anymore. If you don't pay it off, you're going to continue to pay $8,000 a month. You're going to continue to pay that. But you have that money. You have access to that money. Because if you paid it off, it would take you three or four years to recoup that money back in your bank just from that freed up cash flow. So you don't have access to that capital in the meantime. And if you come across something that you, you know, a business that's worth purchasing, that money's not there to, to help you do that. So I'm like, you just have to understand there are consequences to both of these. Which one is better for you, right? You keep it, you're going to pay interest, you're going to pay $8,000 a month towards it, all that, right? But now you have the capital in the bank to be able to, or you pay it off, you lose the capital, you save money, you free up cash flow, all that. So there's just consequences. So let me walk you through everything I can think of to help you make that decision. And they ultimately ended up not paying it off and, and you know, keeping the money in the bank, um, which was good because they're starting a new franchise. But, um, well, yeah, because if they pay it off, then they end up needing another SBA loan. What a nightmare it is to go through that process again. And I mean, that's my thing, you know, fellas, what's your time worth, right? I mean, I understand that you're not making a ton of money on your million plus that's in the bank. You're probably not paying an exorbitant amount to the SBA. So we can just kill the leveraging conversation for all practical purposes. The real question is what's the opportunity cost. If you don't have the ability to pull the trigger right now to to make that acquisition. And if you were to have to go through this entire SBA process again, is it going to inflate the cost of your acquisition and how many of your hours that you could be using to do more productive things are you spending to have to go through this whole SBA process again? Yep. Yeah, so I didn't even give them an answer. You know, CPA gives them a course. So yep, here's what I would do. Sometimes you know, my I, best answers are rhetorical questions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and as as a lot of CPAs are, if they're CPAs listening, he was he was even kind of a kind of a jerk about it. Like, you know, any um any thinking human could, you know, knows that it's the best to pay it off or something, something along those lines that it's just like, man, you don't have to be a jerk, you know what I mean? You can just give an answer. It's how accountants roll, man. Right? They're not yeah, people. Yeah. They're not. It's not a people person. No, he's not. Very few not of people, them. People, people. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, that's funny though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think the other thing though, to your point earlier, you know, one of the reasons why that I think that agents get abused at the point of sale or leading up to that. I mean, because there's so many times that people are used. Just the the, the prospect never had any intention of moving their business. Right. They were always going to leave it where it was, but they want to bring right. somebody in to quote unquote keep them honest. You know, I pre qualify people up front. 
just by simply asking the questions like, look, here, we're going to come in and we're going to demonstrate what we do. And when we have our first meeting, I'm going to ask you to allow me to prove our worth to you by allowing us to provide you with some complimentary work product, whether that be a review of insurance policies or, you know, do an experience mod analysis for the workers comp mod or any number of things. And then I also, I carry that a step further. And then when we come back to present that, I'm going to, at that point, ask, for your ask you to, yeah, I'm going to ask you to hire me. Do you have and, the ability to terminate yeah. the person who represents you right now if I make a compelling argument? Right. And, and that, they and that say is a yes, totally fair question to ask. I mean, and, yeah. I, I, why I would, are, and yeah. Why would anybody be afraid to ask that, right? right. Especially if you've gotten your rear end kicked a few times. Go lose a couple $50,000 yeah. revenue accounts and see if you're still afraid to ask that question when you just got schooled. And that's probably what it would take for most people is, is actually going through that. But it's a totally fair question. And I think people probably initially are uh, a little hesitant to be that blunt. But like you said, when you've, when you've gone through that and, and lose something you know, of that um, – amount to somebody, you know, and, and that transparency isn't there. Well then yeah, well, here, take it a step further. Cause here's what happens. Let's say you do the work product and now all of a sudden they're waffling after you've delivered the work product, you've made yeah. a compelling argument. And as I'm setting it up to close it, I'm walking them through all of those things and getting them to agree with me at every key point that I've made culminating in, would you agree that this is a significant issue in your business? Mm -hmm. And when they say yes, then I'm just going to assume the close and say, well, then in order for us to move forward, I'm going to need to have you assign me as the agent of record on your accounts, blah, 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 blah. If they waffle at that point, yeah, I will definitely go back to that original conversation and say, but wait a minute, I delivered on my end of the bargain. If you recall, here's what we talked about. Here's what I told you was going to happen. I've done everything that I said I was going to do. Mm -hmm. And now it's your turn to honor your word. And if they're going to still waffle at that point, I'm thanking God that they're not my client because right. they would be a nightmare the whole time. But most of the time, you don't even have to remind people because you set the table up front. They know that. If you have to remind them, that's really kind of a red flag for me. Yeah, and I, I think, too, a lot of uh, agents or advisors are afraid because of a fee and, uh, you know, some of them might charge like a couple hundred dollar fee or something, you know, and they don't they don't get on or maybe maybe a few thousand. Um, but I think they're afraid of, you know, a an opportunity walking away because of the fee. And I'm like, if they're going to walk away because of the fee, those aren't the right people. Yeah, they're probably going to be a pain in the ass anyways, if we're being honest. Mm -hmm. Right. Because, I mean, I, I've had people that, you know, didn't become clients because of the fee. And I'm like, well, that's probably for the best because i mean if you're not if you don't value you know right. my my advice and my time if you aren't bought in enough right to pay me for it and if you're going to be that you know just that kind of person you're probably gonna i'm you're, you're probably gonna roadblock me every step along the way i'm gonna have to fight you uphill this whole time and we're not going to get anything done and i'm going to be spinning my wheels with you and it's going to be the hugest pain in the ass and I'm going to wish that I would have, wouldn't have started down this road. But then you're like, well, I'm, I'm this far. So do I give up now or do I keep going, hoping that there's a, right. a pot of gold at the end of this rainbow? Whereas if you charge for your time, it's like, oh, I get paid for my time. So if you don't do what I say, then I can fire you as a client or whatever, but at least I got paid for my time. Well, the takeaway so from this conversation so far, what I was going to say for everybody out there listening is transparent, transparency and setting the expectations up front. You have to do well, yeah. it. 
Yeah, and here's here's the thing, man. You know, there's two things that I'm looking for when I set that table. The the first one is that they say, yeah, I will have no problem doing that. Okay, check mark. Mm-hmm. The second one is, are you going to give me all the stuff that I need in order to provide the work product? Because if you say, yeah, I'm willing to do that, but then it's a nightmare for me to extract the information I need to perform mm-hmm. my work, eh, you know, still not gonna, still not gonna play well with me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, do you ask them that that second part straight up, or is that kind of woven into the to the meeting with a, a, a bunch of um, other leading questions? I guess you talking to me or Andrew? Yeah, yeah, you. Like when when you're like, are you're, the second part of that was, are they going to be willing to get you the information? Is that is that yeah. a question that you're asking them? Just hey, are you going to get me all the shit I need, or is it or is it stuff that you pick up on through the through the meeting based on other questions that you're asking? I typically don't lay it out there. I probably should. I know Josh Gurley's really good about doing that. Like just saying, here's what I'm going to need. I'm going to need access to you. I'm going to need access to your people. I'm going to need access to the information. Uh, I need that done in a timely fashion. And I need to know, I mean, he's got a series of four or five questions that he runs through. Um, I typically don't, I you know, I lay the first one out there and if they get past that and say, yeah, I'm able to do it. um, I'm able to fire them. I, mm-hmm. I I don't know that I've had an issue getting getting the paperwork. It's usually it, it was usually more along the lines of before I would set the table that way, and just go yeah. through the normal motions. Because I mean, look, every I didn't have this all figured out 15 years ago. You know, right. it's a tr- it's trial and error, and you and you you move along and progress as you grow. But since I started laying that out and just hitting it, just boom. I mean. Again, man, in any sales, if you can think of what the number one objection is, you're going to have to overcome. And in our world, it's the number one objection is, but I've had the same agent forever, or the agent's my yeah. brother-in-law, or or whatever else. It's never really the coverage. It's never really the price. It's usually going to be the relationship. Um, and if you can just hit that right between the eyes from the very beginning, and I think the other piece of it too That's is a good you probably point. you probably should have you know you probably should have a little bit attached to it, saying, listen. You know, if you're not willing to, in the reason, or just explain, listen, the reason why I ask this is because I know you're busy and I know that I'm busy and my time is extremely valuable just like yours is. I don't want to waste your time and I definitely don't want to waste mine if we're just doing this for practice because I've had plenty of practice over the last two decades. Mm-hmm. And, and put that value on your time because people don't value what your time is worth. It's not worth anything to them. Right. Yeah, I, I hate to quote the Joker, but he says, you know, never if you're good at something, never do it for free, right? So, I mean, isn't that if you're trying to position yourself as a professional and the go-to person and, the, and you know, you can do no better than to work with me, why are you doing it for free? Yeah, that's actually a pretty good quote from the old Joker. Yeah, yep, yep. Mm. Well, listen, man, I want to be respectful of your time. We've been going, sure. getting on an hour now. Talk really yeah. quickly to the audience because you may, you never know who's listening. That's the crazy part about the podcast. Like I get people from all over the place and all different walks of life. Um, I found out my brother-in-law has listened to every single episode and he has nothing to do with insurance. It's like, That's awesome. <laughs> all right, well, I guess you already know everything going on in my life. Nothing to talk about at family <laughs> gatherings anymore. Um, there you go. But no, talk about who your ideal prospect is, and then how people can get in touch with you, so that so that they can um, you know learn more about what you're doing and, and see if it's worth you know makes sense to engage. Yeah, our website is atlasfinancialstrategies.com. You can view our financial planning team on there. We have educational content on there, all of that. Um, 
our ideal client again we don't have uh, I don't niche per se um, we work with everything from young professionals who don't have a lot of wealth yet who were you know have young professional problems to you know people who have a lot of money to people who run uh, multi multi million dollar businesses you know worth tens of millions of, of dollars so um, I don't know if we have what I would call an ideal client it's it's you know how it is it's people that are are easy to work with and we enjoy we get along with and enjoy working with right if they want our mm -hmm. help and are willing to pay for it and you know willing to go through the process with us and trust the process um i, I just enjoy the feeling of of helping people um but yeah like i said on our website you can view our educational content we have a blog we have downloadable pdfs about very various things that you can go on there and if you find something useful you, you know you can download it and save it um and like I said, you can view us and our financial planning team and all of that. Cool. Cool. Sounds good. Well, listen, man, I appreciate you spending some time with us. It's refreshing sure. to hear about other people who were using fee-based services as opposed to the sale of a product to, to make their income. So I really appreciate you spending the time out. And kudos to Scott Howell for connecting us. feel like you dropped Shout some good info for our audience today. For yeah, sure. Good. Yeah, good yeah and if anybody listening has questions or you know like that gentleman that i referenced that you know um was in the insurance business and you know just wanted to talk to me about um you know and pick my brain a little bit i'm happy to do that right if i could anybody listening if they if they said something that they want to talk more to me about that maybe could help their practice I, i'm happy to take some time to talk to them Good deal. Thanks again for coming on. We're going to wrap up this yeah. episode. People, if you have not already done so, please go to iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to us. Give subscribe us a nice little podcast. Like. Yeah, give subscribe us a like. it up. Maybe throw us a little review. Come on, we, throw we your boy a bone, we appreciate, man. We appreciate your listenership. Yeah, throw your boy a bone for crying out loud. <laughs> Getting hungry over here. See ya. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com.